it's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go, hour two. Welcome in Reno. Vegas is here. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Ari steering the ship. It's Cofield. Hilly is the company today. That's terrible. I can't do Hilly. Please, please stop. We could go with Johnny all the time. We were just talking about hockey nicknames because now the Vegas Golden Knights have added Barbie. And I already kind of like saying Marcy on the air all the time. But Barbie works real well. And Darren Pan called him Barbie like nine times. Yeah. It's ever it's everyone. You I have like Barbershop. I like that name. I actually have a uh, a cousin who was talking about whatever their kids' names were. They were going to make sure that they could not name them anything that you could like. They didn't want a James or a William because they don't want Billy or Jimmy. Well, that screws up my whole game. Yeah. Where people go with a long official name, I'm like screw that, Stephen, so and so, Stevie. Don't call me Stevie. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> I am Richard. I will not go with Dick or Richie. Yeah, you will. Yes, you will. So if you're Richard Sherman, then every once in a while you're going to be Dick Sherman. There was one over the... Uh, that transition is... that Whoever came course. up with that... It's so dumb. And maybe, maybe it just... I, whenever We should look up the origins of that name and obviously... Well, how how is Jack short for Jonathan? That's a bizarre one, too. You're yeah, right. It's weird. I don't know. No idea. And how do you decide if you're Jack or John? Doesn't make it, there's no, what there's no rhyme with? or what reason. What would you go with? Need, On the griddle right now. Change my name. No, what would you go with? You have to go with, what do you go, Johnny or Jack? Johnny, I think. I go Jack. That's terrible. It's awful. I, I was actually, I was talking to a Jennifer over the weekend. I was like, it's not Jenny by, or, by the way, I just, or Jennifer. It's Jen. It just what? hit me that, that Bruce Cassidy is not Brucey. It's Butchie for yeah, Butch Butchie. Cassidy. Yeah, Butchie. Well, that just throws me off. Yeah. But I like Butchie. Is anyone going to know Butchie if I use that all the time on the Sundance air? Sundance Kid. I understand. Yeah. But is anyone in the market going to know Butchie? Do you guys call him Butchie on the reg? Some At the people, press conference. Some like, people do. Question for Butchie. <laughs> you know, a couple, Next you know a couple people do. I don't. Why not just Cassie? Wait, someone calls him Butchie is it, and it's approved or not? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it floats around out there. I try to ignore it. Oh. Nicknames are a good thing. People call him Butch. I don't think a lot of people call him Butchie. Well, Darren Pang said he's very close with him. Yeah. Goes way back to him. Friend. Right, big four time. Not miserable. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. You know what? Start it over. I don't want to do the Big Four. I, I got to address one more thing. Oh, no. no, I got to address one more thing. All right, you just gave us a piece of information. I got I to gotta collect myself. Um, I liked your angle. And again, for the Reno audience, sorry you're just joining in, but we're you know we're bringing you up to speed. But I liked your angle that Bru- um, I almost called him Butch. Uh, Bruce Cassidy always looks miserable. Don't you know a lot of people like that? I think. Do you look miserable? Probably. I do. <laughs> yes. But, but <laughs> we have, know. You, have you ever explained to people? Because I know you take up for me every once in a while. Have you ever explained to people why I'm like that? No, I just I think I don't think I'm always miserable. <laughs> I think it's correct. Around work, around work, it's bad. Sure. Because what am I doing when I'm in this when I'm in this office and building? Working. Yes. <laughs> you and go. you and I have never prescribed to the whole. Hey, let's 
I should. Well, I, I, I'm old. I should. But I should. I should say hi and do small talk. But I like. I have things to get done. I, I should have. I mean, I, there was. And there's I'm not always time. thinking about the show. True. Come on. There's, there's not time when you're doing an interview and asking a question. I don't want to do like a two minute question. Right. But because he, I think he was taken it the wrong way. Yeah. But and what, then he finally got to it. He's like, he's always analyzing the game. Right. And and it's more. I'm talking more in press conference. Like if you just talk to Butchie off to the side, like yeah, just yeah. Talk, great, great dude. I like I. There has never been anyone that I've covered press conferences regularly for that I take more out of their press conferences and they give you more and there's more. Now, it takes a long time to transcribe because he yeah. will really deep it dive. Go, it goes back to but his memory, great. right? But he, yeah, of course. And he, But he just sits there and he's like, he's scratching his forehead and he's he's <laughs> holding, I'm, uh, he's like, uh, and, but, he's, but then eventually he just gives you this unbelievable answer. But I just want to tell him, hey man, like you're doing great. You're doing a great job up here. You don't, is it, you don't is need it, to be anguishing all the time. Is it his fault that Darren Pang, looking from the outside, was like, yeah, they're doing okay. And then he keeps looking at the standings during the interview, and he's like, wait, what? How many, first they're place in everybody. They're, the entire they're, West. They're leading the West. I did an interview earlier in the day in Kansas City, and they were asking about VGK, and I was like, yeah, you know, they're kind of piecing it together. And when the person asked me the question, it's like, are they going to win the cup? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like the injuries, but the the other problem is when you when you follow a team in a local market, you don't hear like the super fans who are positive. It's people just griping all the time. So in a seventy six point season where they've been beat up, like even a six one and three run, like they've had recently, where they've got all these points, people still bitch and moan. Yeah, I, mean, I think part of it's this market too, because we got such good times with the Knights right out of the gates. Yeah. So we, now that like that's the bar. It's copper bust, and anything short of that sucks. Now we should say the West is incredible because seventy six for the Knights in terms of points on down to seventy. That's one to eight. Yeah, that's nuts. And and the East is very top heavy. So that's the other thing of look, somebody is going to have to come out of the West, and the Golden Knights you know, right now are in first place, and you know they're trying to position themselves well to do it. But so much power right now is in the East. So that's kind of how people are analyzing it too. That it's you know the East is kind of playing for the title and the West is there, but one of the teams in the West is going to be in the Stanley Cup final. That's the, and why that's not the fact us? Why not the Knights? Right now they're they'd be the number one seed. Marshy and Butchie and Barbie. Number three. Please stop that. What Marshy and Butchie and Barbie? Yes, I like it's it. No, it's not. So we heard multiple times. We're having fun. By the way, they're having fun at Alabama men's basketball right now. Maybe too much. That was weird. That was weird. But I think I know what happened. Kids being kids. So you want to explain what happened? They they uh, do the opening intros for a Alabama home game. And Brandon Miller, who is embroiled in this murder from a couple of weeks ago where he brought a gun to the scene and someone was shot and killed, he comes out for the opening intro, and what do they do? Well, his his opening intro for the entire season is this. So I think we need to be clear right. about that right away. Right. But when he's introduced, and you see it all over the – this is not just them. You see, This is a common thing. You see it in college basketball all the time. Like, you know, you do a little handshake thing or whatever. In, in Alabama's case, when he comes out, one of his teammates who's, you know, a reserve player frisks, frisks him. Yeah, there's a little pat down. Yeah, that that's their introduction. That's what they do. They've done it all year. Now, somebody – in a position of power mm-hmm. on that program, mm-hmm. should have said, "Hey, I know that thing you do before the game when the intros are during home games. Right? Probably not a good time for it. Somebody is dead. Well, you brought, according to the 
release of you know what happened in court, you brought a gun to the person who eventually shot and killed somebody on campus. Maybe the frisking and making sure you don't have a gun on you during the warmups, which I know that's not what they're really doing, but that's the that's what you're you know kind of simulating. So seriously, as Probably an adult, right as an adult, you would have thought of that beforehand. I don't know that I would have. Yeah, I mean. Maybe, now, especially now, if you're you're ultra focused on game plan and getting right. ready for a game, like maybe you don't think about it. somebody in that program. Yeah, you know who it knows is? that's what they do. Yeah, well, you know who needs to be in charge. The buck stops at the top with the second highest paid employee in the state of Alabama, Nate Oates. It was brought to my attention after the game about our pregame introductions. I think that's something that's been going on all year. I don't really know. I don't watch our introductions. I'm not involved with them. I'm drawing up plays during that time. Regardless, it's not appropriate. It's been addressed, and I can assure you it definitely will not happen again. Okay, one, that's an excuse, so don't make excuses. What you said at the end is it's inappropriate, it shouldn't happen, and then my problem with Oates is, and again, this is the second highest paid employee in the state. He makes a lot of money to be the basketball coach, a highly successful one of Alabama. Don't lie at the end there. What would you bet? He's drawing up plays during the intros? During the intros? What are you doing all week? <laughs> Who I mean, maybe, maybe he, maybe he's a freaking loon. Maybe he he's Bruce Cassidy, like, and you know, he's on a. It's funny, Curtis and uh, John, John Sandler and Curtis Terry, the other day were talking about um, Lon Kruger and his love of drawing up plays, and they were saying that he would draw up plays anywhere on a cocktail napkin. So I don't. Maybe Nate Oates is like, before the game. He's like, ah, I got. Let me draw something up here. Like, you're not. What's the likelihood he's drawing up a play? And I know I'm making a big deal of it, but like, why say it? I you don't. You have no idea what they do in the opening intros. What if what, every guy has some lewd act, and one guy's like, you know, <laughs> freaking, I'm doing a, a vulgar motion with in front of my junk, right? Another guy drops his pants, takes a dump on the floor. Not real. <laughs> Not real. Another guy, you know, whatever, gives the Italian sign. Hey, up yours, right? I, I had no idea that was going Trump, on. Trump plays, man. You're paid three and a half million dollars a year. Someone on the staff has to know that something looks like a frisk. I again, in the end, it is much ado about nothing. But the overall situation is not nothing. And then when he comes out and he's like, I don't, I don't know, but it'll stop. It's also on the heels of wrong place, wrong time, which yeah, is, is the quote that's going to go down yeah. as the most memorable part of this entire thing. Unfortunately, because it's a, li a life lost is what should be remembered. What will be remembered is that. A player on Alabama brought a gun to a scene that would end up used as a murder, and the coach said, hey, wrong place, wrong time, man. By the way, if we want to tie together two disasters, and I know Derek Carr's been getting a lot of credit from people outside the market who maybe weren't watching closely enough of how uh, Carr handled the whole rug situation and the Gruden situation. I mean, in comparison, Derek Carr is like the smartest press conference person ever well, compared to Nate Oates. Uh, like, it's just willy-nilly, like, bro. Get the gravity of the situation. To be fair, I have I have said repeatedly, Derek Carr in the wake of the Henry Ruggs yeah. situation, it was the realest he has ever been, the best he has ever handled any press conference. That was, I think he was forced into being real. Adam, instead I, of being I, an artificial I, character. I told Candy like six weeks ago, because Candy was given lots of credit to Carr for what he did, and I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. Like just making the assumption that everyone does that, but Nate Oates doesn't. Yeah, but it also, to be fair, like Derek Carr essentially plays a character when he is on the dais in a press conference. That's yeah. what he does. And he chose in that situation to not do that, to be real, and to come out and just express how he's feeling, express how his teammates are feeling, saying, I don't know. 
What is? How do you handle this? I don't know how you handle this. That was real, and that was the best he'd ever handled a press conference. It was the most you know endearing he had ever been for sure. So that 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 tragedy sparked him into reality. Hasn't really happened at Alabama. Not yet. Multiple missteps. Number two. We will extend out this big four at four. Actually, we're on number three, so I lost you too. Yeah. We got a lot to get to this hour. We're going to talk officiating on a couple of different fronts, like several fronts, but I just have to point out first, job well done by the official in this case, and we don't always have the officials' backs, although, you know, you talked to, uh, who, who did you talk to from the NBA? Uh, Joey Crawford. And, Joe, and, and, Joseph. And, and you you melted in his hands. You became a soft. Well, we, we worked out some issues. And Dino is my guy, too. I, he is. That's right. Is he not on today? I thought we told him we were going to call him the next day after we <laughs> talked to him. Now. Uh, and I see enough college basketball up close and get to hear what coaches say and how they treat the officials. My God. Officials make bad calls at times, and there are some egomaniacs, but they take a lot. What happened over the weekend with Iowa and Fran McCaffrey and Kelly Pfeiffer, one of the officials, where McCaffrey just stares at him for 20 seconds was some of the greatest TV I've ever seen. And I dare every coach in college basketball to try it. Someone will tee you up. The fact that Kelly Pfeiffer did not tee him up. And all it was was it was a long stare from 20 feet away. And you know there are other officials who'd be like, like their arms shaking, like ah, up in the T motion, but he he didn't do anything, right? He didn't do anything. He just stared at him. It was obnoxious. Someone would have teed him up, but not that official. Good job. Neil inbounds Desmond Cambridge. Oh, he got it. He won it. Arizona State has done it. My goodness, Desmond Cambridge Jr. The Sun Devils have taken down number. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah, that was a crazy ending. Arizona State pulling off the upset against Arizona. I don't know if you saw that, Adam, but that was five feet. Behind half court by Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. So big win for Arizona State. Really good call there, courtesy of uh, CBS on the call. We're going to talk some college basketball in just a little bit with Joe Lenardi from ESPN and Bracketology. Uh, we were just talking about the weekend in officiating. So there was a crazy, I won't even call it an incident. It's just that no one does it. Where Iowa coach Fran McCaffrey, was that a comeback against your Wolverines? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fran McCaffrey got angry at one of the officials, Kelly Pfeiffer. And during a timeout, you know, you'll see the, the team collect on the floor, right? They make a circle on the floor near the free throw line. And there's always, there's always a little bit of chatter after what went on with one of the coaches, if not the head coach, with the official. Instead, Fran McCaffrey, who's a pretty good size, imposing figure, walks towards Kelly Pfeiffer, the official, and just stare, stands there and stares at him. And it was a long stare. Yeah. And... Every official is put to the test in that case. I think there's several of them that I think would have teed him up. But technically, did he do anything wrong? Well, yeah. I mean, we've seen in the NBA, like, staring, uh, With who? laughing. With who? Uh, your boy. Draymond was one. Not your boy. 
Which one? Joey Crawford. That was a lot. Yeah, he did. Joey Crawford he did teed it. up Tim sure. Duncan. Why? Sure. He's on the bench and he laughed. Yeah, laughing. You laughed. He. Laughing, staring. You're staring. He. Anything. Yeah. But I mean, technically, for the director of officiating, what do they tell an official? If you teed someone up for staring at you, that's absurd. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't say anything to unless, you. Yeah, unless it's like a Or if it's you know, a stare, a like a middle finger. Well, what's a threat stare? Oh, you've seen threatening stares before. Does he have to slit his throat? No, I think you can. There's a difference between staring and in, in, intimidation staring. The difference. I can't do it. I, I don't. You can't. I was trying to do it. I smiled. It's tough. Well, like it, it, it's they weren't. The other thing, they weren't close. Because right. you're right. A stare. If some. If you're like. If it's a boxing, you're squaring off for boxing, and someone's like on. You know, a little taller and on top of you. Because that McCaffrey could have walked over to Pfeiffer. By the way, Pfeiffer is one of those guys too. who's kind of jacked. There's a couple of muscly college basketball officials, just like the NFL in college. Like that would be cool. That'd be a cool showdown. It might have been perspective too. And he looks pretty short. Yeah, I don't think he's that short because I, I think McCaffrey's probably six four. Yeah. So a stare down. Okay, so we enjoyed that. Did you see what happened in a spring training game in baseball? Well, a lot, a lot happened in spring training well, games no, this no. weekend. Angel Hernandez and C, uh, CB Buckner are two guys who are kind of loathed by fans and some managers and players and coaches. Sure. And. There's been some remarks by the St. Louis manager about C.B. Buckner. And apparently before one of the games over the weekend, Buckner, when the manager of the Cardinals walked up, wouldn't shake his hand. And there's been a flip out over this. Is that significant? Does that worry you? It worries me that... Before, I mean, mean, in in the heat of the battle, if Fran McCaffrey's pissed at... This basketball official and is staring him down. Okay. Now I would worry a little bit that there would be retribution later in the game. I don't know if there was. You know, most officials are pretty good about that, not, you know, like uh, Teddy Valentine of past days. What do you think of that? Carrying something over and the guy who's supposed to be the neutral arbiter, no emotions. Is sending a message by not shaking someone's hand before the game. Yeah, I mean that—that's the issue. More, first of all, why are we going over and shaking hands? Why are we doing the stupid lineup card exchange? Why are we any of those things? I, I hate all. What of would you, what, how, how would you like it to work? Just run, run a bat boy over there and say, "Here's who's okay. playing." Or you do. I, I thought I was going to suggest the manager is like twenty feet and he just takes the he takes the the lineup card. And frisbees just, it. Frisbees it over. Like you, oh, you didn't, you didn't catch it. <laughs> Get better hands, bro. Just have a bat boy run it out like. What so we now doing? we can't even be civil enough before the game to have the competitors and the umps chat it up and shake it, shake a hand. Now the I umps gotta it. be like, "I know what you did. I know what you said. I don't need it. Not shaking hands." And now we get into this, right? If something happens, because yeah. oftentimes you see things from the day before bubble over, and mm-hmm. he makes a comment when he's out there, and now it's that. Now I would say if if a manager goes to shake the hand of an umpire and the umpire doesn't. Somebody from Major League Baseball, that's a spring training game, who cares? But if it's a real game, somebody has to walk on the field and tell that umpire he's not umpire. That's, that that's it. That's it. You're, you're, done. you're done tonight. You're never calling a game for this team again either. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if you have to be that harsh, but he should be disciplined, and it does need to be done publicly. Because yeah. the NBA just came out a couple weeks ago, and Adam Silver's like, oh, you know, we, we discipline. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Did, are all the teams told that? Yeah, they need to announce it and say, this is what happened. This guy is not refing for three days because he made this bad call in this game. Because they, they announce when players make mistakes and get fined. Coaches. Yeah. 
absolutely. And and like it's it's accountability and it's it's just it's perception even. Like if at some point this year he makes a call against them. Yeah. Can never do it now. That's wrong. Yep. And cost him a game. Mm-hmm. Now we all just assume whether it's right mm-hmm. or wrong, we all just assume you did that on purpose because you don't like them. Mm-hmm. Because so you can't be out there. You showed emotion. Right. You can't be out there. But I'll also feel the same way if if you know that referee is in an Iowa game in the Big Ten tournament or sometime again and he makes a call against Iowa that's wrong. Also, we did it because he got stared down. So I, I like, but he didn't initiate it. No, but still, hmm. anytime there's like an incident between players or teams or coaches and an, and an official, like I just don't want them on the games anymore. And listen, we're open to talking to officials. Like we said, Adam had a great conversation with Joey Crawford years ago. We talked to Blandino. We've had Pereira on. I, you know, I can see their side in, in certain cases. The emotional part, though, that drives me nuts. And should I even mention this? You know, it irked me a little bit. But by, by the way, Blandino said the same thing I did about when you see these, you know, behind the scenes films. Oh yeah. Of you know, who was the guy who got the uh, the was getting like golf information? Well, that too. But I, I don't. I just don't like it when I see you know right before the game. Hey, how's the wife? How's the kids? You shouldn't know that. Yeah. What about this one? Should I mention this? So working the sideline on Friday night, rough game, offensively. Yeah. UNLV and Air Force. There was a stretch where there were like five straight possessions where it was Keystone Cops. I mean, just dribbling off the knee, throwing passes away. Just it was bad. And I saw one of the officials run by, we'll call it Gucci Row, and make a comment to the fan to a fan before the uh, TV table. Make a comment to a fan after the TV table, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't the comedy hour, the ref comedy hour. I, we don't need any commentary on how bad the play is. <laughs> like kind of rolling his eyes and then a wink and said something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Stop. You thought he was is at a roast? Is that too much? He's at a roast. He's out right? There slinging jokes around? We don't, we don't around. need your personalities in the games. Oh. That's that is why. Look, I'm not for taking jobs away, but robot, <laughs> robot officiating wherever you can, is is pre- preferable for me. I like that because I don't, I don't need even the again, even if the perception of hey, you think this is hilarious? Like, no, I don't. I don't need you. I don't need you out there making calls. Are, are you now? Are you trying to make a call because you think it's funny? Are you trying to entertain people? I'm not enjoying this basketball. Okay. I'm going to call every carry. I'm going to teach these kids how to play the game right way. Then no. Get out. No. Then leave. Don't be laughing at poor play. Then leave. Once I know your emotions or your personality or mm-hmm. your character, I don't need you calling games anymore. But I also know, and we talked to Dean Lodino about this, we, you can't get umps at any level anymore. You can't get umps or officials well, or referees. We, we've tortured them, but sure. not really we because we don't have kids. You animals out there who go to Little League games and junior games and whatever – and act like they're freaking 28-year-old millionaire athletes or college athletes, you've ruined it. So I, you're, you're probably right. There are less qualified people officiating. I'm not going to say that. But the pool is smaller than it's been in the past. How about this? So a lot of this, you know, rest gone wild, a lot of it is because of a lack of oversight. Right? A lack of accountability. Public accountability. Did you see this one with the NFL? That you know, every year they talk about rule changes, implementing different things, and I'm like, why even bother with this? <laughs> Someone presented the idea that roughing the passer should be reviewable. Oh boy! Do I need to explain why 
This will never happen. And if it was implemented, what would happen, Adam? Because the last time we tried to do this, yeah. what happened? Refs will refuse to overturn calls because they don't want to be shown up. What was the call? A pass interference that they yep. allowed them to review. Yep. Obje- uh, you know, subject, subjective call. They did reviews. And almost none got overturned because the officials refused to embarrass the other officials. Yeah. So don't bother. But it's also why, and I, you know, I talked to some XFL officials about this this week. You know, a lot of what the XFL is doing is experimenting for how it would work in the NFL. And I was talking to some high-ranking people at the XFL and said, what you guys do in terms of in the broadcast booth, mm-hmm. like they go to Dean Blandino reviewing the play. And he's walking them through. Here's what I see. This is where you got it wrong. Here's where it is. We've got this. Here's the call. You hear everything that they're saying. The transparency is great. And some of the XFL people agreed and said, no way the NFL allows that. No. Because no. in no way the NFL referee union allows that. No. 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 Instead, we have Gene Steratore, who never disagrees with anything that goes on in the field. It is the least entertaining thing on TV. And again, the note on this is one NFL team proposed making roughing the passer reviewable by, the Rams, inst- by, the way. by instant replay. This will never happen. They're not going to allow it. And again, if they did, they would never overturn it. Did you see the number? They actually they did a study. Well, they said th- they, they listen, said three. Yeah, no, listen, but they uh Judy Batista of the NFL.com reported that the committee studied 80 instances where roughing the passer was called. Only three were questionable. That's well, that is such a lie. Like, how do you even put that out? When the one was Brady. Abs- it's a subjective call. 77 to 3? Come on! The issue is a lot because I I saw um one of the football analysts out there, I believe it was Warren Sharp, actually, that actually that put together a video and said, here's seven right here that I already found. And I watched, I said, you're wrong. Because yeah. one of the problems is people don't know the rule. If you, like, it's not subjective all the time. If you rush the quarterback and you fall on him, that is a penalty. And it's a very stupid rule. We all agree, we should all agree with that. It is a really dumb rule. But then the dumber thing, and I see this all the time watching football because people don't actually understand what they're watching, and people will yell and say, that's a penalty. Yes, it is. That By the rule, that's a penalty. You need to change the penalty, not change you know, this, not reviewable, because if they go to re- replay on this, you're still going to say, that's a penalty. Yes. Yes. If you fall on the quarterback, it's a penalty. Change the rule, not the implementation, not the procedures, not those things. You have to change the rule because right now – People don't even understand that that is a penalty, according to the rules. Coming up, we're going to talk bracketology with uh, Joe Lenardi from ESPN. Right now, though, let's do a giveaway. Two tickets for the uh, Pac-12 tournament, women's tournament, basketball tournament in town. It's this week. On Friday, the third is the semifinals. Three, six, four, eleven hundred for uh, tickets to go see the ladies. Two tickets to the Pac-12 women's semifinals. It's over at the MUA, Mick Ultra Arena. You can grab your tickets now at AXS.com. It's March 1st to the 5th. Stanford is awesome. Arizona is really good, too. So if it's uh, chalk in the semis that night, it'll be Stanford against Arizona. Two and three in the conference are Utah and Colorado. But we got a pair of free tickets to the Pac-12 Women's Tournament. You can grab yours for the Mick Ultra Arena at AXS.com. 364-1100-364-1100. Ari is taking caller number seven. Want the skinny on you? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on past the halfway point of Cofield and Company. March Madness is coming middle of the week, believe it or not. We start rolling out Pac-12, West Coast Conference, eventually Big Sky, Mountain West Conference, 
are here as well. Men's and women's tournaments. So congrats to our winner of the uh, Pac-12 women's tournament semifinal tickets on Friday over at Mick Ultra Arena. I had a chance early today to talk to uh, the king of bracketology from ESPN.com, Joe Lenardi. And it's pretty crazy when I watch TV, how big a presence this thing has now, and especially on social media. Like, the schools that are in it, man, the, the quad one, the quad two, the records, we're looking at seven teams they beat. I mean, people are really into this thing. And I started off the convo with Lenardi. Hey, this was like a nice little project you put together. Do you ever imagine it being this big? Absolutely not. Uh, I'd like to say, you know, and people do ask, you know, what, how, how did this happen? What was your business plan? Well, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that the business of business is not and never will be a strong point. Um, I, I think it's simply the combination of, A, the passion of fans of college basketball, right, that, that, that can't consume enough of this, and, B, um, y- you know, frankly, outlets like this to kind of spread the word, if you will. You know, it was nice of Al Gore to invent the Internet and give us this great platform to, you know, <laughs> go around and uh, – and 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 get this out there. I, I grew up as a print uh, sports writer, you know, back when like we read newspapers. So you know, uh, I'm I'm more of a right place, right time kind of guy. Yeah. Do you feel like with the net coming along the last couple of years, it's more transparent than it's ever been? I think it had begun to get pretty transparent before that, when when for a number of years the committee was doing kind of mock selection exercises for media members. Who could you know really get in and uh, you know kick the tires and slam the doors and participate in the process? I think bracketology, myself and others, uh, has made the process a lot more transparent. And I think probably the main thing now, Steve, that 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 I notice is whether it's that or the RPI or any other you know metrics that are out there. I think those 12 people in the room want to do a good job uh, because let, let, let's let be honest, who among us wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I want to be crappy at my job today <laughs> right? so people will go on national television and rip me, Yeah. right? Like what, what, whether or not people view – myself or other bracket experts, quote unquote, as, you know, worthy of the mantle. We, we generally like praise in life yes. versus criticism. And, and, and I think that that has just kind of leveled things out and made, made, made the process both transparent and frankly, more predictable, I think. If we expand the tournament, we're talking to Joe Lenardi, we're going to get to where, where the Mountain West is and West Coast Conference and what's going to happen in the West Regional in terms of seeds. If they went to 96, would some of the magic be lost at 96? I don't know that the magic would be lost in the tournament uh, be, be, because the, the games will still be great. Uh, but I, I can tell you, uh, having you know, spent a fair amount of time on this over the years, uh, particularly the, the COVID year, we actually did a 96 team bracket for half the season publicly, not knowing what the field was going to be that season until January. And 
96 is a really bad idea. Uh, when you look at the quality of teams at that point, I do think expansion is inevitable. Uh, I actually don't think it's a bad idea as long as it's done in a measured, sensible fashion. And, and I'm extremely unconfident in the NCAA's ability to be either measured or sensible. So let's talk Mountain West Conference. It's been a super competitive year, a lot of balance, maybe the most balanced that the conference has had in years. Uh, right now you have San Diego State in as a six, Boise's a nine, Nevada, and we're also on in Reno along with Las Vegas. They're a nine, and then within hailing distance is Utah State. Now, now New Mexico has a lot of work to do. So you have three in and a fourth real close. Yeah, I think, you know, th this is following up on the heels of last year getting four bids and, and bringing the Mountain West back, you know, to the, to the Jimmer, Kawhi, BYU, San Diego State days. Um, and, and look, it's great for Western basketball uh, yes. and they're great programs. Um, Sideline, they're probably doing a nice job of auditioning for the Pac-12. But um, I, I don't, know that a fourth team will ultimately make it. I think Utah State is absolutely good enough. I don't know that it's realistic that they're going to get the resume they need when I look at the other teams they might be right on the cut line with. Uh, but I don't think that's the end of the world because, I mean, it is for them, I suppose. But League went 0-4 it, it, with those four bids last year and you know it wouldn't it would only take one win by the other three to equal the same number of units in terms of revenue and frankly i think san diego state i i think all three of the ones that are going to make it san diego state nevada boise are good enough to win nevada could be close though right i mean if there's some losses down the stretch here uh, and, and, and the, the same well. with and the same with Boise because Boise just fell to San Jose State. So, I mean, there's a little bit of risk if they happen to lose a game or two to close and then they get bumped in their first game in the tournament, then you get a little bit risky. Yeah, they just have to make sure to only lose to each other. Right. <laughs> right. It needs to be a little – I call this basketball incest. Like they have to – like that's how the big boy leagues do it. Yeah. Right? Like, you know – Oh, well, that's not a bad loss because, you know, in the Big 12, there doesn't seem to be a bad loss. I think eventually when you have, you know, like if 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 you're under 500, like Oklahoma, I, I don't care what your net is, right? Like in the NBA, you could be in the toughest division ever, but like if you don't have a good record, you're going to be in the lottery, right? And And to me, that kind of makes sense because I think the public understands winning and losing more than they understand schedule strength and, and net and, and you know, uh, barometric pressure and the quad system. <laughs> Joe Lenardi's with us, ESPN.com, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Bracketology, you're going to see them all over TV here down the stretch as we get ready for the official March Madness, although we have five conference tournaments being uh, played here in Las Vegas, and two of them uh, start, uh, one with the women's Pac-12 in town, middle of the week, and then West Coast Conference starts off as well. You mentioned the the winless situation last year in the NCAA tournament from the Mountain West. Selection committee, look at that year to year, or is it just, hey, each year is a fresh year? Each year is its own entity. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the people involved at the schools and the conference look at it. <laughs> uh, 
And look, I mean, a committee member can can use whatever priority system he or she wants in in slotting the teams. Uh, but but by rule, at least by printed principle and procedure, that is not supposed to be the uh, the way it works. And I have a question for you: When did yeah. Vegas become the college basketball capital of the world? You know, it's been building the last fifteen years, and honestly, it's a big part of the acceptance. I think by the NCAA to have a regional here. Uh, the fact that we've hosted without any issues all of yeah. these tournaments. And, yeah, the Big West just moved here last I year. And we already you know, we already had WAC, West Coast, Pac-12, Mountain West. It, it's tremendous. It's it's an unreal week. And if you're a basketball fan, you can just drive around all over town yeah. to different arenas. It's it's crazy. I was, at, I was out for the uh, WCC tournament last year. Yep. And, uh, you know, I had not been for championship week, so that was that was great. And you also have the NIT Final Four. Yep, and uh, that you have Kansas one, UCLA two, Gonzaga three, UConn four, St. Mary's five, which is interesting. You have two West Coast Conference teams, but why Kansas over UCLA at one two? Because Kansas just has an outrageous resume. No disrespect to the Mountain West or the Pac twelve or the like. Kansas one school has more quad one wins like than all those leagues put together. Where are you going to land? Are you going to go to one of the regionals? Where do you think you'll go? I think I think this year I will go to Madison Square Garden because for me it's a train ride. Yeah. And that's a that'll be a nice setting. That's a legendary college basketball setting. Uh Joe, before we get out of here, maybe, maybe I'll see those Scarlet Knights there. Steve, uh, that'd be nice. They got to gotta keep winning down the stretch. Believe me, yesterday was was a miraculous victory and it really hurt Penn State. It was. Big time, yeah. Joe, it anything did. else you got? Anything else you want to push out there in terms of what you guys are doing? Bracketology up on ESPN.com? Well, I'm not feeling underexposed. Uh, <laughs> uh, pe pe people know where to find this stuff, and the folks in graphics and research and and at the at the you know the bottom line, the crawler, uh, they they do a pretty good job of getting my information out there this time of year. Or as my daughter once said when she was in college. I got a call. She said, Dad, they just changed your name again to according to because that <laughs> seems to precede everything. So that's I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe make that my new my new handle. There you go. There he is. According to Joe Lenardi. Joe, I really appreciate it. Big fan of yours. Thank you so much. All right. If I get out there, I'll let you know. There you go. Joe Lenardi. We're good buddies. Where are you guys gonna hang out? I've talked to Joe one time in my life before this, but he's a very <laughs> affable guy. And I, to counter your point from earlier in the show, um, you were a little too strong when I said I'm in a bad mood all the time. You are. Like Bruce Cassidy. I expected a little bit of pushback, some positive words, and you're like, nah, I don't even defend you. When people say that, I don't even defend you. Why would I? Joe Lenardi likes me. Well, okay. He doesn't really know me. <laughs> we'll see what he calls you. If, what he, if he calls you when he's here, yeah. then we'll know that he likes you. Um, but it wasn't just for the radio. Yeah, I've had a strong run recently. I probably shouldn't say this of people coming to town who I don't really know that well, but then asking to meet up. And I'm like, what's your line? Like, how well do you have to know someone to go meet up with them? Especially, and I'm going to throw this in one on one. Well, you, I, I think you know the answer. Like, I don't even have to. I am, I would be guilted into almost anyone. You would never I would say feel no. like I would feel like a jerk if I didn't. I know. I am generally busy, but then I'm also leery of going into a situation and being like, yeah, we have a DM relationship. Yeah. On on Twitter and like we're we you'll guest on my show. No one ever calls me to go on their show. Um 
But that's it. That's it. And then it's like, sometimes there's a husband and a wife, and I'm like, your wife? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't think I can do that. I, I just end up doing it all the time. And the other one I'm is just obnoxious. The other one is especially being in Vegas, and people know that I'm accommodating, even if I'm, mm. if I'm not friendly necessarily, I guess. Yeah. But uh, you'll have people that will call other people and say, "Oh, you're in Vegas? Hit up, hit up Adam. He'll t- he'll pick up yeah. the airport. He'll take you around." <laughs> By the way, I, I, I actually I have that, friends. I do that all the time. I will fluff people out. Here, you know what? Call Adam. I actually have friends He's on the show. I have friends that I never knew. Oh, really? That were like. Basically, a sign and said, "Hey, call him. He'll he'll take it as so a good spot." I should spots. be more open to this. No, it's a nightmare. Oh, okay, I was I was actually I was going to open myself up and be like, "Yeah, I'll go out every no, once in a while." It's a, it's a nightmare. You end up being out at all times, yeah. and well, September to April is kind of tough. There's a lot of stuff going on. Stuff on the weekends. When isn't so we just talked about this being? Yeah, this is still between that <laughs> time. Even the summer, it's crazy. All right, on the way back, we got to react to what Lenardi was saying. We got NBA to get to, and then uh, some stuff on Derek Carr. The, the, by the way, this is not a good tease. Stuff on Derek Carr. I feel like uh, Big Roos, Diana Rossini, was painting a certain picture of Derek Carr that may not be true. Real money grubber. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Now Dame's got it. 145 to play. Bump, drives, runs it up. Yes! 70! 71 for Damian Lillard. I mean, honestly, I was like, are y'all serious? Like, I, I did the urine test yesterday, and then they backed it up with the blood draw tonight after the game. That was actually my first time in my career being tested after a game. And then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles. So I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing a blood draw, it's different than, it's different than tattoos. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. You scared of needles? Oh, you are? Big time. I never minded them. Psycho. I really haven't had. I haven't had to have. You know, I mean, for people who have to get needles all the time, it sucks. You know, I feel bad for yeah. people who are who are sick and have serious illnesses. It does. It blows. Um, but I. I. Not that I had some like sickness-filled childhood, but I didn't oh, mind. It. I, I pretty distinctly remember like kicking a, a nurse and a doctor when I was yeah. like six. I heard some stories with kids. I mean, yeah. JVT with one of his kids. I mean, the kid was like. We'll have, to, we'll have to tell that story again tomorrow. He was like a freaking raving lunatic. It's rough. That's crazy stuff. Uh, as soon as I see them, like, if you're going to do it, I have to be looking the other way or not paying attention. You uh, got to do the uh, three, two, one countdown. We'll go like on two. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Dame Lillard, big game. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to LeBron, who now looks like he's very much day-to-day, was limping out of the arena yesterday. You know that conversation with Lenardi? Your boy? He's got, yes, uh, he's got three Mountain West teams in, like, pretty safely, but it's never that safe. San Diego State, Boise, and Nevada are all between a six. Aztecs are a six seed. Boise and Nevada are nines. Uh, Utah's in the, Utah State is in the first four out. New Mexico has no shot at seven and nine in the conference. Nevada's got a week coming up. But Boise's the one that's, in a real interesting position. Real interesting. They just lost to San Jose State. They're a nine. They play San Diego State tomorrow. And then they're at Utah State. What if they lose both? I guess I would screw up my seating scenario. 
I mean, if they lost both, they would drop down to the three seed in the Mountain West Conference, and New Mexico might be the team sitting there in the three six game. What if they lost the first, you know, the, the round of eight game in the Mountain West Conference? Oh boy, dangerous. Oh boy, dangerous. Yep. So for all those people, I you know, again, not to squash your hopes. Because we've had this conversation many times. Should UNLV fans be rooting for the rest of the Mountain West? Yeah, from a money standpoint, other schools making the tournament and actually winning games, that helps. But I ain't rooting for Nevada. And frankly, I'm not rooting for Leon Rice. Seems like a swell fella. We just, we just don't know him that well. I'm really not from the either, outside, we don't know him that well. He's misunderstood. I'm really not either, but you have to you have to root for the money. It's helpful, especially right now. You're you're fighting to try to you know, raise the raise the stakes in, in the terms of the athletic program and and trying to move on to another place. So root for them, just like you'll have to root for. Hopefully, you you know. I was gonna say UCLA. They're gonna be gone. You're gonna have to root for you know Oregon and Washington and Stanford someday. Actually, in my case, I will root for UCLA. How about that? That's true, Big Ten. Yeah, I'm a long time Big Ten guy. Years, dozens and dozens of years. I hate the rest of the Big Ten. You know that. I hate it so much. The regions of the country are, are very much different. Five o'clock hours on the way. We will get to a little Dame Lillard getting drug tested after 71 points. LeBron, man, I was so high on the Lakers and what they did against the Mavs. And now he's limping around. Come on.